On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks fall short again and really continue on the treadmill of mediocrity as they flip-flop back and forth, win-loss, 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 and then today, a loss again on the road in Brooklyn. We'll have a full breakdown of what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1442 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Friday evening. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, special special partner of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown right now to get started. And today's episode is also one that reminds you to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify. We're also on the video side over on YouTube, Google Play, etc. And we do thank you for listening to the podcast as always. We'll dive in now. So what became a 124 to 107 loss for the Hawks and the flip-flopping continues for Atlanta with this loss now below 500 again at 38 and 39 on the season, the ninth consecutive game where the Hawks have either won or lost back and forth, going back and forth, back and forth, winning losses, alternating. And uh, famously the Hawks now have an NBA record still in being within one game of 500. They've been within one game of 500 since January 21st. It's been more than two months. And at this point they have to win out in their last five games, just to match last season's record. If you remember this, last year was seen as a massive disappointment for the Hawks that prompted big changes like trading for DeJounte Murray. And this year they have to win out in the last five games, which is not likely, it's not impossible, but certainly not what you would pick at this point to even get to to that point they were at last year. So not a whole lot of great vibes on this night. I kind of joked about this on Twitter today, but that felt like the sort of the day of the take. A lot of Hawks fans uh, are very frustrated, it seems, at this point in time, which I understand for sure. But I'm taking it out on the Hawks in different ways and having some strong opinions at this point in time. I'm sure they got even worse after the game tonight. And uh, we'll get into the game now. And basically, the Hawks led this game by eight points a few times in the first half, had a rough stretch late in the first half, and then got walloped in the third quarter to break it open. 42-24 in favor of Brooklyn in the third, and that was kind of the end of the game unofficially, and then it became pretty official in a hurry before the Hawks pulled the plug with about four minutes to go in the game. Uh, plenty of issues on this one, on this one. Uh, both of the floor, honestly, but we'll start with the defense, as we uh, are wont to do when the Hawks usually are losing. Uh, the Hawks gave up almost a 140 offensive rating to the Nets in the competitive portion, at least the somewhat competitive portion, before the Hawks really pulled the plug at the very end of this game. Brooklyn ended up shooting... 15 of 33 from three. That was the headliner of the night for sure from the Nets. 56% from the floor is also fantastic. They had 33 assists and 13 turnovers to Brooklyn in this game. The Hawks did have some strong signs on the glass, and they only allowed 13 free throw attempts. The rest of it, though, was pretty bad defensively. Some of this, I want to stress some of it, not all of it, could be a hat tip to the Nets. We shot the ball great in this game. Mikhail Bridges was fantastic. He had 42 points. He's been out of his mind for about the last month. Um, so, what, But it wasn't only him. They shot it great in this game, but still the Hawks had all kinds of issues defensively. If you watch the tape back, they allowed a lot of good looks in this game. Without DeAndre Hunter in the mix as he was injured in this game, the Hawks were down probably their best perimeter defender, and uh, that he wasn't going to solve it. Obviously, he's been on the floor with first of bad defenses performances in recent past, but without Hunter, it's even worse, even more dire for the Hawks defensively in terms of talent on the perimeter, and it was really, really rough in this one. Around the rim, not as bad, but still combined, basically the Hawks gave up a lot of good shots with a good shot-making team, and you had bad results on the defensive end of the floor. Um, offensively, it wasn't pretty either. The Hawks, the big thing, I'll just, I'll just get this out of the way now, the Hawks were 8 of 37 from 3 in this game. At one point in the second half, 
I had this, I wrote it down, I'm looking at it right now. The Hawks were four of 26 from three, and the Nets were 14 of 26. So do the math on that. That means the Nets had the same amount of attempts as the Hawks at one point in the second half and had made 10 more of them than Atlanta did. The Hawks did make some down the stretch to get to eight, but still eight of 37 is brutal. Uh, that's obviously not the entire story, but the Hawks really got killed at three-point range in this game. They shot pretty well in twos. 57% actually had almost double the free throw attempts of the Nets in this game and shot well on them, 21-23. Um, didn't turn them all over a ton in this game either. So the bona fides around the perimeter and sort of the, the margins were not that bad, the Hawks, in this game. But basically, they got smoked in just putting the ball in the basket. And sometimes in the NBA, that's what's going to happen to you when you can't make shots. It's hard to win when you make seven fewer threes than your opponent. It was really, again, more lopsided than that for most of the night. And the Nets were good, but the Hawks just missed a bunch of open shots in this game. I thought the Hawks had a pretty decent process game offensively. Defensively, not so much. Uh, although Trey did struggle pretty badly. We'll come back to that later on. And obviously when Trey's not his best or anything close to his best, the Hawks are going to have some issues offensively because he's so important, has such a high usage, et cetera. But guys like John Collins and Sadiq Bay and Jalen Johnson could not make shots in this game. Collins, 0 of 6 from 3. Bay was 2 of 7. I think he started out 1 of 5, 1 of 6, something like that. Um, Trey 05 from three, and then Jalen was 03. So guys that you're going to leave open, obviously Bay's more of a shooter than the other two guys, but they just could not make their catch and shoots in this one. And aside from AJ Griffin, who shot three or four off the bench, it was pretty rough almost across the board for Atlanta on the offensive end of the floor, and the shot making was the biggest problem, but it was uh, not the only thing that happened for Atlanta in this game. Um, some more pregame context real quickly before we get to uh, the actual game flow. The Nets are pretty much healthy. Uh, ben Simmons is out, but he's been out for large swaths of the season. It doesn't really help them at this point in time anyway. Uh, as I mentioned before, Hunter missed this game with knee swelling. Um, notably, that's the game. That's actually the knee that cost him a game last week as well. So keep an eye on that. And the Hawks, by the way, are now three and nine without Hunter in the lineup this year. Now that's not all him, but you know they're thirty-five and thirty with him and three and nine without him. So um, that's partly, I think, maybe mostly the fact that the Hawks don't have anybody else on the perimeter defensively. But Hunter is important. I know he uh, was a big topic on Twitter today that I kind of started, I guess, on some level about how important he actually is and how well he's playing and expectations, all that stuff. That's for another day. But in general, he is important to this team defensively, and that definitely shows when he's on the floor. And then Joe Johnson, though, did return after seven games on, uh, on the shelf with injury. That was good to see him back in the lineup. Didn't play incredibly well, but it was good to just have him out there. He rebounded the ball well and showed off some of his skill set that he uh, certainly uh, adds that nobody else really can match on this Hawks roster. As far as the game is concerned, the Hawks were effectively coin flips in this game coming in. They were one-point favorites at one point today. It was one-point underdogs at one point. It was kind of like right back and forth in that coin flip range. But this is not a game. I'll be the first to tell you when the Hawks are supposed to lose a game. Um, on the road, yes. But Brooklyn has been you know, a little bit shaky in recent days. They have a better record than the Hawks do, but at least a very different team than it was early in the season. Uh, and in general, the Hawks were not supposed to be getting blown out in this game. And by the second half, it was an actual blowout, and we'll get into how get, sort of get into how that all transpired. But big picture, it's a not a great loss for the Hawks. Have they had worse losses? Sure, they have. But um, this is a winnable game. It also was impactful in the standings, as we'll come back to later on, because Chicago won tonight, and the Hawks are in a pretty dire spot now in the play-in race, which we'll, which we'll touch on. But a lot of pressure. It wasn't the biggest game remaining, but it was certainly on the short list of those games. And with only six games remaining, and the Hawks hovering around 500, every game is big, and they just did not play all, all that well in this spot, and it was not good enough after a strong first quarter. All right, we'll get into the game now as far as the back-and-forth is concerned. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. 
Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The stretch run is here in the NBA. Final Four is coming this weekend in Houston. It's perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers at FanDuel get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 with FanDuel. And it's bonus bets coming back to you if your first bet does not win. Download the FanDuel Sportsback app right now. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Man, anything you're looking for in the sports world. That includes point spreads and totals and money lines, player props, futures, live betting, and much more. The Hawks return to action on Sunday against Dallas. The FanDuel will have all but what you need in pregame lines as well as the all the live betting action in the middle of the game if you want to go that route. And from there, have many more exclusive bets at FanDuel. And FanDuel also has the opportunity to let you combine those, those bets together for a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. One more time, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, which is proper partner of the NBA. All right, and ironically, after the Hawks had the strong first quarter overall, it was not the start of the game. Uh, Bay started in place of Hunter. It was bogey last time, so a little bit of a notable change there. But the Hawks missed 10 straight shots early in the, early in the first quarter to go down by a 12-4 margin. Defensively, they actually held, held up okay at the start, and the shot quality was okay, just didn't make any shots as they kind of did in the entire game. Bogey came in for Trey as usual. Trey actually sat longer than usual in the first quarter. He actually sat the rest of the first quarter, and he had a pretty rough game all the way through it kind of started out at the top. I'm not sure if, if he was uh, the plan was to have him sit that long. Murray was playing better. Maybe that's why they stuck with that lineup, but that was notable. Also Griffin and Congo came in after that. And then Jalen Johnson was the ninth man. So no huge surprises with Hunter out of the lineup. It was the nine guys that you would expect. And then uh, a lot of uh, bench clearing time at the end of this game. After the, missing those 10 shots in a row earlier, they made five in a row after that in the quarter, including four jumpers in a row, a 12-3 run, take the lead. Bay and Murray engineered that. I thought Bay played pretty well in the early going. Um, the Hawks made 11 of their last 15 shots in the first quarter after that rough start. Bogey and AJ hit threes off the bench. Murray had 13 points in the first quarter, and, and they cooled off from there, as you probably would guess. But the Hawks did a good job pushing Temple in the first quarter, uh, two turnovers only. That was a good, it was a good play uh, quarter overall. But uh, unfortunately, they lost the rest of the game by about 25 points. So there you go. Uh, it was Trey plus the bench unit in the second. A nice ATO play that actually ended up with a Kongwu dunking um, from Bogey. And the Hawks had good shots, again, all the way through the second quarter, but had, uh, were missing a lot of them. Did have 10 out of 3 bounds in the first uh, quarter and a half, but Trey didn't score for like 20 minutes. Uh, was one night from the floor in the first half. Brooklyn had a, a sort of a 7-0 run late in the quarter to take the lead. The Hawks played a little bit of small ball, but turned the ball over twice in a row, and that didn't kind of stop that. Offensively in the quarter, it was pretty rough. There were seven of 24 from the floor in the second. Um, pretty rough stuff there. 22 of 10, sorry, 22 to 10, extended run by the um, by the Nets at the end of the first half. Put the Hawks down at the break after they led for the majority of the first half. Murray 15 points, Congo had 10, but there were 422 from three in the first half. And defensively, it wasn't awful, but it would certainly get worse after halftime. The Nets were red hot in the third quarter. They had 25 points in the first six minutes of the third, including nine of 11 from the floor and four threes. You know, defensively, it wasn't that bad by the numbers, but obviously Brooklyn made a bunch of shots. The Hawks were actually okay offensively, actually, in the third quarter for a while, but it wasn't enough to keep up with the red-hot Nets. They were down by 20 with about 16 minutes to go. Couldn't make shots. The reference this one once before, but the Hawks, again, were four of 26 from three at one point, and Brooklyn at the same time was 14 of 26. Collins was rough. He had 0-6 at, at that point. Bay and Trey were one of ten to start the game from three. It was just uh, it was it was basically everyone except for, other than AJ, maybe Bogey, that was just missing everything. AJ made two threes late in the third when nothing else was going well whatsoever for the Hawks. But um, I already kind of knew it wasn't the Hawks' night. But Mikael Bridges hit a shot from behind the backboard after the Hawks got back within 15 points. That was the closest they ever got in the second half, and uh, that, that opened up a 7-0 run by the Nets. And generally speaking, it was a buzzsaw from Brooklyn in the third. 42 points. 
on 24 possessions. Now, do the math on that. That's 175 offensive rating in the third quarter by the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, the Hawks didn't help that. Brooklyn was red hot. The Hawks shot 55% from the, from the field in the third quarter and lost the quarter by 18 points. That's hard to do because of the turnover battle going in Brooklyn's way and three-point battle obviously going heavily in Brooklyn's way. Offensively, it was better in the fourth to start things off. They had a tough upgrade on a flagrant foul call on a Kongwu early in the fourth quarter. It was 16 with like eight and a half minutes to go. So it wasn't dead, but then as soon as that happened, it was a 9-2 run by the Nets, and it was basically over. They went small briefly to kind of throw a Hail Mary, and that was kind of the end of that. And with four minutes to go, Snyder decided to pump the game, which I definitely agreed with that decision at the time. And uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty rough, we'll say. So, you know, big picture, the first half was competitive. Hawks didn't shoot well at the end of the first half, but you can sort of live with that. You're down by, what, four points at the halftime break, but the third quarter... Um, yes, there was some variance in there for sure, but with, I mean, this Hawks, if, if the Nets had been trying all the way through, it could have been even uglier, honestly. And uh, again, Brooklyn, I think was three and nine in their last 12 or something like that coming into the game. They them and struggling pretty badly. And uh, yeah, not a whole lot to add in terms of that, but uh, we'll get into kind of how the players performed in this game. But first, they were from our sponsors on the podcast. All right. And the player evaluation portion of the podcast is going to paint a pretty ugly picture, as you might imagine. We'll start with the bench, which was the brighter spot in this game. Akongu had 12 points, six rebounds, and two blocks in 19 minutes. Thought he played well, had some foul trouble, as he almost always does, but he wasn't like great, but played fine. AJ Griffin had 11 points on eight shots. He was their best shooter in this game, two, point, uh, two rebounds and an assist. Didn't play incredibly well, but did make shots, and nobody else did. Uh, Jalen Johnson returned, six points, eight rebounds, two assists. Did two turnovers and missed all three of his three-point shots, as he was not alone there, because everybody else was missing those shots, too. Good to have Jalen back after a lengthy absence, and uh, he definitely helps things in certain aspects in terms of pushing the ball and playing playing defense on the perimeter, et cetera, especially without Hunter. And then Bogey played decently, I thought, 12 points on seven shots, had five assists, which was as many as anybody other than Trey on the roster, had a steal, had uh, two of five from three, thought he played fine offensively, and uh, the bench lineups worked out decently well. Um, it's kind of been crazy to watch because I know people have short memories, but for the majority, I'd say the vast majority of the season – the, the, the Hawks' starting lineup was really good. And in the last few weeks, it's been the ab- absolute opposite of that. So I'm not really sure what changed, to be honest with you. But the bench has been playing very well, and that was the case in this game. And I thought for the bench, it would have gotten out of hand in a hurry. Uh, to the starter, speaking of that, we'll go to Capella first. He played the least 20 minutes, 6.6 rebounds, and a steal for Clint. I think he was not as bad as some, nor was he great. He was kind of uh, you know a little bit slow afoot in this one. Didn't dominate the game. Wasn't terrible either, but just didn't have his best game at all. John Collins uh, had five points in 28 minutes, 210 from the floor, 0 of 6 from three. Uh, he came into this game shooting much better from three in recent days. In fact, uh, he was 13 of his last 27, which is like 48% from three. And then almost right as you think that he's got, he's got he sort of found it again from three-point range. 0 of 6, I think four of them, maybe five of them, were really good looks. So uh, a bad shooting night's going to happen. I don't, I don't think he played as badly as those numbers indicate, but still got to make shots at some point. No question about that. He was only one of the guys who missed shots, but he certainly missed some open ones. The Hawks definitely needed him to make. Um, Sadiq Bey had a decent game. Uh, I mean, defensively, he got cooked a little bit, as you might expect, when Bridges and Johnson, et cetera, go off. Um, 16 points, though, seven rebounds, Had uh, did have two steals on 14 shots. I don't think he played great, but he was better than some for sure in this one. Um, DeJounte had 21 points, uh, 13 in the first quarter. It definitely cooled off from there. He was better, but not anything fantastic at all. And defensively, he was a problem as a lot of guys were. And then uh, Trey at the end, 
you know, Trey was awful in this game by Trey standards. Obviously, he still has appeal when he's just not making shots, but he was 3 of 12 from the floor, 0 of 5 from 3. Six, 6 assists, yes, but zero rebounds. Um, two turnovers is not that bad, but minus 33, just no juice at all. He looked, he looked kind of a step slow, kind of out of it in this game. There wasn't any rest concerns. I'm not sure if he's begged up or something like that, but he was really bad for him in this game. And look, it was not only Trey. It was not only Collins. It was not only anybody else. You know, Capella, Murray was okay, all that stuff. But like when Trey's bad, the offense is going to struggle. And then you throw in bad three-point shooting on top of that, and it becomes like dire. Um, you can't – this Hawks team, with the way it's built – can't really navigate a bad trade game and a bad three-point shooting game at the same night. And the Hawks had exactly that happen to them in this game. Hopefully Trey is bouncing back on Sunday. Hopefully they make, make some more threes between Collins and Bay and Johnson and even Trey and Murray. But it was pretty rough along the way in this game. Um, we're also a little bit shorter than usual on today's podcast. I'm fully aware of that. But, uh, you know, that's one of those things where I'm on the road in Houston covering the Final Four. And also this was a uh, pretty maddening experience. But – at the end of the podcast, I will get into this now. The standings are not painting the best possible picture for the Hawks at this point. Now, we already knew that because of the record. But uh, Miami was off tonight, so that, that's something. But the Hawks are now four back of the Nets without the tiebreaker with five games to go. So basically, any faint 1% thought of getting to the sixth seed is probably gone. They have to win out and have a lot of help to get the sixth seed. So that's kind of crossed that off. Now, the seventh seed is still kind of in play. If they went out, they're two behind They're two behind Miami, I should say. Um, but, you know, that's not one that you love, and I think you kind of have to cross that out too. So I think realistically, again, not mathematically, but realistically, you're looking for the best case scenario within reason is the eighth seed for the Hawks at this point. They're tied for eighth with Toronto at this moment because Toronto lost tonight in Philadelphia. That was a helpful result for Atlanta. The Raptors have been playing better than the Hawks for a while. But the Hawks do have, you know, it's tied, and it's that's not that's not too bad of a, set, of a setup. Um, Washington, though, lost to, to Orlando. So this is the best thing of the night for the Hawks, if you want to find something, is that the Wizards lost. So the Hawks essentially, not all the way, but within something crazy would have to happen for them to fall out of the play-in at this point. They are four games ahead of the Wizards um, with five to play. So that's, if the Hawks were to go 0-5, they might, 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 might be in some trouble. But even then, I think they probably would be in. At some, at some point. Now, the Bulls are the one to look at. So right now, the Bulls are the 10 seed. They are a game behind. They are game back of the Hawks. But they won tonight. They beat Charlotte, and the Hawks currently trail the Bulls two one in the season series. They play the Bulls on Tuesday. So, without question, that is the biggest game of the season for the Hawks. Is Tuesday. Now, I know, obviously, they play the Mavs on Sunday, and the Mavs are a rival for fans and Luca and Trey and all that stuff. That will be attention. It's a Sunday night, Sunday night game. That'll be a lot of attention. I promise you right now, the bigger game on the court in terms of impact is the game on Tuesday against Chicago. Um, it's on the road, etc. But the Hawks, if the Hawks were to lose that one, they would lose the tie record in Chicago and probably be tied in the standings. So that's going to be a huge one to circle. Regardless, though, the Hawks have no margin for error. If they were, let's, let's say, hypothetically, they go two and three on the stretch. They're going to probably be nine or 10. Uh, so they have to win games. Uh, you know, if you're not for, uh, remembering the sort of play-in format, if you're a nine or 10, you have to win twice to get in. If you're a 10 seed, you have to win twice on the road to get in. If you're the nine seed, we, we should get a home game in the first game. But uh, yeah, the Hawks were the nine seed last year and they managed to emerge. But a uh, different situation now, they're not playing as well as they were at the end of last year, et cetera. So anyway, not to paint a tough picture, but the next, next game on the agenda is Sunday, Sunday evening against Dallas. On the bright side, Dallas has not been playing particularly good basketball. In fact, Dallas at this moment is out of the plan in the West, which is honestly inconceivable. 
but that's happened. Um, they play Miami on Saturday, so the Hawks have a slight advantage in that one because Dallas has to travel from Miami to Atlanta on a back-to-back. So that's a good spot for the Hawks with Dallas not playing well, but still that's a game that you cannot take for granted whatsoever if you are if you are the Hawks. And then from there, we'll get into the schedule later on in the week. But uh, five games to go, and the Hawks have to win all five of them to get, 30, uh, sorry, to get 43 wins from last year. Tough spot there, and a rough night overall for the Hawks. So that's Friday night for you. We'll uh, sign off here, but please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show. If you are a Hawks fan, I definitely thank you for listening all the way through the podcast, but also please download and subscribe and rate and review. That definitely is very helpful. Check out the show on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Check out me on Twitter if you want to at BT Roll. Also my written content over at Patreon, patreon.com slash BT Roll. And thank you as always for listening. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back again after the game on Sunday.